do you, I don't do you have a favorite? Uh, actually, um, uh, Amaro del uh, Cafe, uh, L'Amaro del Capo. It's a pretty good one. You don't play Scopa, do you? Ah, see, si. I haven't played in a few years, but uh, we yeah. can play and talk. <laughs> Let's try. <laughs> Let's try. This is the best way, in my opinion. But um, the next thing I was gonna say, a bit of a deeper topic. Sorry, I'm close to this mic. Mm. But um, especially since you've been doing, or you've been putting out your management ideas more mm. over the past say, year and a bit. Yeah. What do you make of all these layoffs? going on mm. like all over yeah not just in salesforce or this or that like they're kind of everywhere right yeah what's your take on that uh well you know i don't know if i have a special special i might need to think uh, focus on what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. focus okay we have time we don't uh, have to rush uh, this game go. okay okay very good no money is on the line okay. okay good let me check though okay um so i think that um to a certain extent, is probably the the natural fluctuation that the industry is going through because uh, during the pandemic, I was also hiring. Mm. I hired a lot of people during that time, um, about twenty, uh, and and it was impossible to hire someone. Like people were, especially the profiles I was looking for, at least they were flying off the shelves. Mm -hmm. And so I suspect that during the the pandemic, a lot of especially tech companies, because there was this immediate or, or massive push towards digitizing everything, even for companies that didn't have a digital um, infrastructure before, mm. led many tech companies to obviously uh, hire more so that they could address the demand. Sure. But now that that peak is behind us, maybe they need to, to adjust a little bit. So I, I think that that's part of what might be happening. What I do think, though, is that for... Uh, like layoffs, uh, this might be counterintuitive, but I think layoffs are a great opportunity for the company to set up or establish or demonstrate their company culture. Because people that uh, stay, they take note of how you treated people that were laid off, right? You know, uh, I'm sure 100%. very well. And so I find that's a, that's a missed opportunity. One of my bosses at Talos told me, um, at one point, uh, the most important thing is to retain, maintain dignity during that process. Unfortunately, I've had to do it. I've had to lay people off both at my parents' company mm -hmm. years and years ago and at Talos. Not many times, but a few times. Enough that I remember and I know for a fact that that's any manager can confirm that that is the, the absolute worst part of any management job. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes th there's not really an option. Uh, but maintaining dignity during that process is what is going to uh, create and maintain your company culture. Because people that were trusted employees today, they cannot go overnight to the, you know, convict. Uh, like they don't go from a trusted employee to a convict overnight. And so that's an opportunity for uh, companies to, you know, to show how respectful they are they are in treating their their people their partners and maybe a lot of these tech companies aren't used to that so i don't know how they handle that with um showing dignity for example besides maybe giving a good package how do you do that well i think the first thing is you can tell any someone that today was help or yesterday was helping you with uh you know 
a big future project, you can't just cut their access to every information tomorrow. I find that's the there's a thing. lot of that. I know that's that I uh, I understand that there's a lot of that, but I think that's one way to say okay, that's very transactional. It makes me feel if I was on the receiving side, I, I perceived it as a very transactional relationship than than we had because mm-hmm. the moment you didn't need me anymore, I'm out. Mm-hmm. There's one th- another approach which is hey, you have until Friday to collect your information that you need because I mean. I'm sure everybody connect collects some personal information on their work laptop, right? So take a second, gather your stuff, sort yourself, the, have out. A mo- sort yourself out, have a second to um to you know say your whatever goodbyes. Um and I think if I'm sure there are some situations where that's not possible because of different like the high volume situations that you maybe, see. but for the most Maybe also thinking about super sensitive information, maybe. But right. for the most part, for most people, I think it's it's probably doable. That that would be one way that I can think of mm. to to maintain dignity. Yeah, I think. Uh, do you think it has anything to do too? Because <laughs> I mean, there are some times where sure, company for example has like investors, right? And those investors call the shots and they say, "Hey, buddy, look, I own most of your company. This is what you're doing, and you're doing it tomorrow." Yeah, and they force you to do it. Right, but in a case where you do have a bit more control, do you think um, the transparency beforehand, like as a manager, sometimes you won't see stuff coming, but other times as a manager who sits on say the leadership board, you will see a few things heading in that direction, especially if you've been doing what you're doing for a good while. You think the transparency to your team is is important or warranted when it seems like it's going down that route? Like, do you owe that to them? You know, it's it's a great question. I don't know. I am of two minds there. Not because I, I mean, I, I like transparency. I like uh, within the limits and constraints, right? For sure. I, I guess there's also the other argument mm-hmm. I could see is you also want to shield the team from undue stress. Sure. And so it's a fine. It's a bit of a fine balance that you need to to find between okay i want to be transparent but i also don't want to create panic because the moment you even start that discussion then you you have to assume that it's going to go beyond your team because people are going to they're going to talk for sure so it's a, it's a very sensitive uh, what you say it's very how you hard say to it's navigate it's yeah for sure yeah it's uh, it's a tough uh, it's a tough time I, I think the managers also what happens i find is the managers are not really equipped they're not really trained to do stuff like that, um, and uh, and and maybe because we don't. Thankfully, it doesn't happen often enough. Uh, but that's another hard part. Like most managers, they don't, don't know really how. Know, eh? They don't know how where to start. Yeah, and <clears throat> if you have done it a few times, uh, then the first few times you probably made some mistakes, but at least the the third time you know what's you know how to handle it. Hopefully, you learn from some of your mistakes. Uh, but for people that do it the first time, it's tough. I remember doing it the first time. I was like, I have no idea what do we say and how, and um, yeah, it was tough, man. It's one of the. It's probably the worst part of the job. Yeah, no doubt, right? Yeah. Of being a manager, it's just kind of it comes with it, but it's definitely not yeah. like a fun thing to do at yeah. all. Also, because oftentimes it's not really your call. Mm-hmm. Like you're told, especially they offer it this way, right? The company is cutting whatever five percent, whatever yeah, percentage, yeah, yeah. and so. That this means is what's that every VP has to cut that percentage, every director, every manager. And so, it's, you know, there's not really a a big enough reason sometimes. It's just that that's the mandate and you have to, mm. to find that percentage. 
But yeah, I think you're you're right, right? As a manager, you, maybe you have to take it upon yourself too to be prepared for something like this. Like as I a manager, so. yeah. it's very possible that this could happen. <clears throat> yeah. Whether or not you work at the best company in the world, yeah. it's very possible that you may be in the situation where you have to do that at some point. Yeah. So maybe speaking with HR, speaking with whoever you need to speak with to know like what's the good way to do this, yeah. reflect on it and use your best judgment. I think part of it is common sense too. I'm way new to management compared to you, but in my opinion, no. Like part of it is also within the constraints and limits of what you can and can't say for whatever the company will tell you, right? Yeah. Part of it is common sense and like being human, no? Yeah, I, I totally agree. So when I, the first layoffs, like put I was yourself in the shoes a little bit. If yeah, you can. Ex- exactly. Really being, being human, being almost remove the, the, the corporate part and, and talk. Um, as people and say, hey, I I, I know, mm. uh, and, and I'm sorry, and um, you know, and try to support to the extent that you can. One resource that I found very helpful uh, when I became a manager, especially here in Canada, is a website called managertools.com, mm-hmm. and that's a great resource because nobody is really trained on how to be a manager. Like you're given the title, but now. You have to manage people, but it's not like sure. you, you took a course or, you, got you know. leadership training maybe that could have been great or yeah, not so great. Yes, <clears throat> exactly. <laughs> and also it's it's um, it's usually a bit uh, abstract. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking about what I found useful from this website, managertools.com, is actually the tactical, the practical things that I need to do to say the topics I need to cover. So for anyone that's starting in management, I think that's a great resource. Hmm. Do you have any other, uh, you're going to drop or you're going to pick up, but do you have any other, um, what's it called? Resources that you, uh, would recommend, say a new manager consider looking at Um, websites, books. So yeah, it's a good question. It's probably old school, but, uh, Peter Drucker is someone I often go back to. Uh, is considered the the a management the management guru. Um, so some some of his I haven't read all of his books or even all of his like all of Works. it. Maybe I read yeah, yeah, only yeah. parts few, of it. Few things. Um, but it's very insightful and it's kind of going back to the basics and say okay when when there's too much going on what what are the the pillars what are the foundation what do I need to make sure that it's still there. I found very insightful. I found him very insightful. Um, and I also personally like, um, um, Tom Peters. Oh yeah. He's, is the guy that wrote in search for excellence, like years ago in the eighties, probably. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Still relevant. Do you think? So I, I saw him live a couple of times in Milan or in Italy, um, in the early two thousands. Um, I found a lot of that drove my, um, my management approach. So, you know. Uh, I, I don't know if it's still relevant for for everyone. I haven't really uh, reviewed his his content recently, but I found it was a good source. Again, it's more about foundations of um, almost principles, right? Not things that will change too quickly mm. because you also want to focus on on things that are that you can rely on over time, not what's the latest like shiny timeless, object. Timeless, yeah, uh, some of that advice. timeless stuff. Yeah, exactly. Mm, 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 mm. Is it my turn? It is your turn. Ah, perfect. The other thing I was going to say, <clears throat> now that um, you're reading, or I'm reading anyway, all this stuff in the news about, or not in the news, but in 
you can read it on LinkedIn, whatever business forum that you like. Uh, management of the new generation, mm. Generation Z, whatever. Mm. Do you uh, do you have a take on differences, similarities between the newest generation coming into the workforce, how to manage them compared to managing someone of a prior generation at all? Have you had any experience with this yet? Um I've had experiences, uh, as in, especially my more, most recent team, mm-hmm. uh, we were about 12 people and there were all generations. You're starting generations. to see it now. Yeah, I'm starting to see it now, I guess. And I've hired a few people that were almost off university. Uh, so they were definitely of a younger generation. I don't know if I have a particular take. I couldn't really see uh, patterns. Uh, you know, I could repeat what we all read about, uh, sure. you know, new generations maybe be a bit more entitled and, and stuff like that. Um, I found that people, maybe that's why I hired them, but I found th- th- some of these younger generations, they're, they're driven and they, they're ready to, to work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been my personal experience. Everything is different. You also have to be lucky. You know, hiring is a bit of a, it's an imperfect science. Sure. Like you try, but. Really, well, you're giving tips on that too, when it comes to hiring the right person, interviewing yeah. and stuff like that. Like I've seen some of your, okay, if you're going to have your interview process like this, this is what I recommend. Like you've actually spoken on that. Yeah. When, when it comes to say hiring the right person, because I agree, it's, it's, you can generalize about any yeah. generation if you really want yes, to. Yes, absolutely. But there's always going to be people who it's like, don't matter what age this person is, they're a freaking great worker and yeah. you know they have all the qualities that you want in a worker regardless of what uh, generation they're from yeah yeah so what when you're when you're vetting someone or you're putting someone through the process you said you have to be lucky sometimes but a part of it is not luck yeah right can you talk to us yeah. a bit about that like how have you had such success in hiring the right team yeah for sure well i don't know if i was successful i hope i hope i was still working on it's it not, yeah still working <laughs> on it uh but you know there's a few things i find one of the again measures are not thought how to hire and so most people, so two things, managers are not taught how to hire, mm-hmm. so we don't know how to do it. And second, it doesn't happen often enough for you to develop. Um, like get really mass- good at it. Yeah, to get good. It's almost like Christmas. Like you do it once a year. You should do like an internship in my job. You, you, oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, because you do that way more, way more off, uh, often than I do. And most managers do. Like for most managers hiring, like you maybe hire one person every 18 months, maybe. And in my past role, I was able to hire a lot of people, about 20 people in in less than 18 months. And there was a good opportunity to, really? oh, I see patterns now. Ooh, that's how we can do it. And so, yeah, my my approach is um, now th- there's a few things. Uh, that's something that I learned from this company called Predictive Index. Uh, so you can think of when you hire someone, you're thinking about three dimensions. You're thinking about their, their head, their heart, and mm-hmm. their briefcase. So you're thinking about their drivers like mm-hmm. what drives them are they an impact person or a lifestyle person sure. for example uh you're thinking about their heart so their values are their values aligned with the company values with the team values and their briefcase are their experiences work experiences aligned their skill set is it aligned to what we need to accomplish today not not in five years from now um and so th- that's a good framework to start assessing someone and then how you do that is okay well then you need to have probably a behavioral profile that you want to target and say well for this role, and it's someone that's more outgoing, a lot of stakeholder management, right? Everybody can can intuitively see the difference between a great salesperson and a great librarian. Mm-hmm. It's not the same behavioral profile, right? One is more probably 
I don't know, I don't want to stereotype, but one is probably more more that one really good salesy librarian. <laughs> oh, all right, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and so you want to identify, okay, what's the right profile for the role I'm hiring for? What success good look what success looks like and what they need to accomplish. And based on that, you can probably identify a, a, a profile. Mm. And then asking uh, uh, behavioral questions. I mean, I could talk for hours sure, about this, about but uh, how to ask questions during the, the, um, the panel interview, how to collect feedback from your team because you want to have your team involved so that they have a stake in the hire, sure. right? Like if you said, if you were on the table with us, one of the five people in the panel interview, and you said, let's hire this person. Now, their success is also your responsibility. You can say, ah, but I never really liked it. No, now, now you have to make now, sure. Right? Yeah. Speak now or forever hold your peace, yeah. basically. <laughs> and once we said, yes, let's hire, well, then everybody's responsible for making this person successful. This I like. What did you just take there? Is it of? No, sorry, I wanted to take this. No, I wanted to take this. You got to take the five. You have to I, take the five. I have to take the five? You have to take the five. Man, I haven't played this in like 20 years. <laughs> 20, oh, 25. That's okay. I planned this. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, um, okay, this is good advice though. Because I think even from, from my side, right, when I look at hiring, it is something that's tough because there's a lot of things that, I mean, we have to do a lot of hiring, right? But I've also noticed in being, so I'm a headhunter, okay? I've always been one. But now that I have to hire for my own team, Sometimes I can't even lie. Sometimes I actually feel like a fish out of water, mm-hmm. and it's so strange because it's like I do this all you can the see time. For others. Yeah, like when I'm when I'm headhunting for someone else, it's almost like I know in a split second. It's like Fab is gonna love this person. Like I know right away. Like I can do some questioning, whatever I have to do. Interview happens, and bang, it's like perfect. Bang on fit for some reason. I have that feel. And then sometimes when I'm hiring directly, I'm interviewing different people, and it's like I start th- double thinking all these different things. It's it's so strange. Yeah. Like, I actually don't have an explanation for it as to why I feel this way, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is yeah. there's different pressures that you have when it's your own team, but I think what you said about involving other people, even if they're a junior person on the team who's going to have to work with that person, their opinion is still valuable, and they yeah. do have a, a... You hired them for a reason. Yeah. So if they can see something in, in who you're potentially bringing on the team or something that maybe isn't a good fit, I think it's valuable. Yeah, so that's a huge point that you made there. Absolutely, and I think you know uh, it's interesting, but it makes sense to me that once when you do it for others, you can do it in a split second, but for yourself, it's like, oh, wait a second, now you can see both sides of the, you know, both sides of pros and cons. Um, in my my approach to hiring, uh, it's well, I don't know if it's my specifically because a lot of that stuff I learned from manager manager tools and other books that I've read. But it's almost like you want to reduce your 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 downside. Like you don't want to make a bad hire. Like that's that's what you want. It's to bad avoid. for everybody. Yeah. Now, successful entrepreneurs will tell you you should hire faster. What do you think about this advice? Hire fast or f- hire fast, fire faster. Yeah. Well, I think it makes a lot of sense if you are the one calling all the shots. It's very and like North American uh, approach, though, right? Mm, yeah. In Germany, this would never work. <laughs> yes, in Europe, that wouldn't that wouldn't fly. It's legally, you cannot do this, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's part, and, and very, a lot of that comes very. from probably the U.S., which probably sure. has a different uh, yeah, yeah. different different policies. It sounds American-made for sure. Yeah, 
probably applies to some companies in Canada, but sounds American. Yeah, right? definitely. Hey, and I guess the, the downside is also that, yeah, you hire fast, far faster. But again, every time you let someone go, you have to think about how does it impact people? Like how does it impact your culture? So there's only so many times that you can do that before people start thinking, okay, this is Where really am a transactional. I, right? Yeah, what is this place? Yeah. So, I mean, I understand why they would say that, but not everybody in the position to to do that. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you there. It's a, it's a strange thing to reflect on a little bit because like I'll, you'll, I've heard that from so many different mm. entrepreneur, influencer type people, right? Yeah. Where they say that that's the way to do it. But I don't know. I also think there's something to be said where back to what we talked about when you, when, if you are in that position and you have to unfortunately let someone go and you do it with dignity, yeah. typically it's a longer process. Yes. Right. So if you want to look at cost from a business perspective, probably costs more. Mm-hmm. right? To, yeah. to do that with dignity. However, yeah. I think you also learn more in that process than you would if you think you can just hire and fire as you please. You, yeah, this sure. way you never learn, right? Yeah. I, I would imagine. But yeah. if you actually give due process, right? And, and like you said, with do things with dignity, right? If you're going to go down that road, I feel yeah. like you're smarter it's next time. It's a longer path. And yeah. maybe you put less people in that position. I don't know. I'm new to yeah. this too, right? But what yeah. do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree. And, and I think by not having that option right not that you never have that option but you know by not having it so readily available you can just do as you please like okay how how do i coach this person like i hired them for a reason like right 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 like we all agree like there was a panel like three to five people on the panel said let's hire this person so what did we see that is now not delivering so i find most people need need coaching and like I don't think people wake up in the morning because they want to do a shitty job. They they want to do, you know, they won't work. be proud of the job that they do. Um, and if they're not hitting the mark, well, well, there's something that maybe we can do to to help them along the way. If we believed in them in the first place, mm. right? If we hired someone, like why did we hire them? Um, so yeah, uh, I think that's uh, something that's uh, I don't, it's somewhat related. But something, a model, because you're new to management, you said. One thing that I found very helpful for me was when I learned about something called the self-determination theory. Anyways, the point is that there are three things that drive people, behavior and satisfaction, especially in a work environment. And the three things are autonomy, mm-hmm. mastery, mm-hmm. and a sense of belonging. So if you can provide people with these three things, they will be successful and you will be successful, therefore. Autonomy and freedom, like give them the framework and allow them to execute. Yes. Mastery, get really, really good at what they're doing and feel like they've really owned it and They know what they're doing, right? They're not just thrown in the... Yeah, they're professional. Belonging. And belonging is... So they have a sense of belonging, like they belong whether to a team or something. Pretty self-explanatory. It is, yeah. And I found that was... that. Maybe it res- resonated so much with me uh, because that's what I was looking for. Like one of you asked at the beginning why I stayed at Telus for so mm. long uh, was because most of my bosses, whether consciously or unconsciously, they allowed me to have the level of autonomy that I was looking for. You know, coming from a family business, I like that was important to me because I had kind of carte blanche with my parents, obviously. So to join a company and be micromanaged, I guess like, man, that's going to be tough to, to digest and it's not going to work for me. 
but my bosses wow, were I didn't always even think about that. Oh yeah, when you're big difference, when you're in a small business, you're still you're in a small pond, but you're the big fish. So you're the one calling the shots. When you join a corporation, it's like you're a small fish in a big pond. So so you need to have someone that trusts in you enough to say, hey, you take care of this set of problems. I don't even need to be involved. You call me if you need help. You raise your hand. We'll support you. But otherwise, do what you think is best and let me know once a week <laughs> how things are going. Mm. Last question for you. Yeah. For a manager right now. <laughs> Ah, Did wow. they just win? I don't remember. No, you got a scope up. Oh, you know, scope up. So okay. just throw it like this. There one face go. up. Okay. One face down. Okay. Your Sorry, question is coming. <laughs> but, um, okay. Let's say, don't tell me you have it. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay. The manager right now is going through some volatility. They may be experiencing or have to unfortunately experience something that we talked about or in general they could just be having a really tough time mm. uh managing their team through a bit of a rough patch mm -hmm. right what's like one piece of advice that you haven't said yet that you would give this person um so navigating tough times i'm sure there's hundreds of articles and podcasts about that uh my personal experience would probably be have a vision, you know? Uh, I think it's in the Bible says, uh, I don't want to get religious, but it says, without a vision, people perish. I found it to be true. Like, you need to pe give people a direction. Hey, it might not even be the right direction. Maybe you need to course correct in three months from now. But in the meanwhile, do the best you can. Like, if that's the, the, that's the best direction that we can identify right now, then that's where we're going and then we'll course correct. So, yeah present a vision, show them that there is a way out of the darkness. I don't know how we to want decide. to say yeah, Make a decision, deci be decisive. Decide. And, and I would also say the second, it's probably go very well with it, is uh, uh, you need to over-communicate. Like you want to be to the extent possible, you want to over-communicate and be as transparent as possible, which means to me, communicating things almost in real time and say, hey, this is a new piece of information I just got. Right, so that people feel like they know what's going on, instead of being, you know, waiting in a room in a dark room without information about what's going on outside. Mm. So one of my mentors that tell us told me just a few months ago, uh, I was talking about a problem I had. It was like, what will get you out of this trouble is communication, communication, communication. And I found that to be the answer for a lot of things. Like just, just communicate. And if you're a bit of an, of an introvert, like some people are, that means probably you need to, from your perspective, you need to over-communicate. You need to feel like you're over-communicating. Your over-communicate will be a normal level of communication. The, exactly. Probably, right? for, for many people, they will be the, like the, the normal, very well said. Um, yeah. And the other thing, well, the third thing I would have said is the, the you know, autonomy, mastery, belonging. I found that to be the one of the keys. I'm not saying that I was ever able or always able to put it in, in practice 100%, but it's a good framework. It's a good um, way of looking at what people might need. Beautiful. Well, there you have it. Fabio Aversa, MBA. You can find him on LinkedIn. <laughs> find him on LinkedIn. You heard it from him himself. 
Uh, if you need help or guidance or advice and you think he's the guy who could give that to you, please, by all means, reach out to him. He likes to network. He knows how to network. And like I did today, you can learn a ton. So grazie mille, amico. Thank you very much. Thank you, Maurizio. It was a pleasure to be here.